Yeah, but they were coasters. They're made for coastering. Coasters. <laughs> They're made for coastering. <laughs> Welcome to episode 12 of the Anchor Me Farm podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Kara. And we're both very tired. Yeah, so forgive us. The, uh, we're tired for different reasons. Kara, ha- typically on a Saturday, she's got a really hard day. She yeah. gets up at a ridiculous time and bakes a bunch of stuff. And then it's a little easier now that we have an employee. She just kind of hands it off to him. At 7.30, he drives to the market and runs the market for us. Um, then she goes out and does some farm work. Um, and she it's very difficult for her to get a siesta because the dogs are just wackadoo. And I didn't shower until 1 o'clock today or sit down until now. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> Meanwhile, my first Saturday where I didn't have to be at the market was spent Working on a fence. Uh, someone scheduled goat yoga really, really soon. So I have to build a fence in the uh, front area of our property. And I have to do this a little more quickly because we're about to have several days of rain. So I got all the T-posts in today. <clears throat> I, realized I, I realized I had forgotten how to do corners with T-posts. Because you basically sent... If you ever see a T-post, you'll see it on, when you try to build a fence or even if you're at a tractor supply store or a farm store. They have these teeth on them, like on the front, and those are for the, the fence to actually rest on. It's kind of to help you keep the fence stable. And when you do the corner, you face the corner one out and you kind of loop the fence Inside one, go outside around the corner, then back on the inside. I'll one of these days I'll do a video or something on that. Um, but it's Maine, so there's a lot of trouble with the placement of the T posts. It's, it's it feels like I always hit a rock, uh, but mercifully I got them roughly in a line, and then I tried to dig holes for the wooden posts I was going to put in, and it's just layers of rocks. There was one giant rock in the middle. I had to excavate around it. <clears throat> I took a tie-down strap, put it underneath, and basically I was able to get more leverage to haul the stupid thing out of there because I couldn't get my arms around it. It was nuts. And I still only dug down two feet. I don't think I'm going to be able to go further. And I don't think the other holes I've got to dig are going to be any easier. So I've got to figure out how to do this with one external gate. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, and, of course, I'm exhausted and tired so now we're both kind of in the same position yeah it's hard i'm not sleep deprived though i'm definitely sleep deprived always and forever yeah so it's tough (laughs) um but that's kind of our day that's the kind of stuff that you have to do on a farm because we want to make money we want to we want to take in some cash with this goat yoga stuff we we split it with the teacher. Yeah, we found an instructor. It was hard to find an actual instructor that was willing to do it, which is weird because, I don't know, maybe it's because we're in Maine or something. But go- Yeah, even just saying goat yoga, people would <laughs> say, what? 
in, and if you find out they're a yoga instructor, they would still be a little weird to it. Yeah, this one lady asked me all these weird questions, like if I were to clean the goats, like bathe them before each class. I'm like, have you even worked or been next to a goat? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. This is a farm animal. <laughs> You know what you're getting into if you sign up for these. I mean, like they're popular in like California and other areas. It's part of the experience you sign up for. Yeah. And our goats aren't stinky. We have Weathers and a couple girls. So they're not stinky unless they laid in pee like a Kenzale. Yeah, we're going to have to clean him up. But... <laughs> I will clean him. Don't worry. It was almost to the plan where maybe I should just get my own yoga instructor license or... Don't go that, down that route again. Certificate. Certified. Certificate. Whatever it Certification. Is. Yeah, that's the word. That's a big word to have to use yeah. today. <laughs> but you'd have to do in-person stuff for many hours. and I don't drive, so... That would be a problem. And you don't want to do a whole lot of in-person stuff. Yeah, I'm not a real people person. I mean, she is to a certain point, but there's a certain amount of exposure to people that is enough. I and like then, to be behind the scenes. Talking yeah. to people is hard. I don't small talk well. I'm very awkward and weird. You're okay once you get comfortable with somebody. It takes so, a long time. Through... Through dumb luck, one of our customers, and we've mentioned this in another episode, one of our customers uh, is a yoga instructor, and she does goat yoga. Yes. So I got her card and put her in contact with Kara, and they emailed, and now we have a date. It's happening. It's happening next week, Saturday, May 6th. Yeah, May 6th, 2023. (laughs) 8.30 to 9.30 at the farm. 15 bucks. Get you lots of goat fun and some yoga. And you don't need to have experience. I guess she teaches all levels. I can't do lo- yoga myself, but it'll be fun. I've never tried yoga. It doesn't... It, it looks like the kind of thing that it probably feels like, oh, this is easy, but then you have to hold that pose for a while. And then it very quickly becomes not easy. Yeah. So it's 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 one of those deceptive things. When I did Taekwondo and we'd hold a, a kick out on the side and try to balance on one foot, it was kind of like that. Or, or anything you have to do for a while. Marching band. My, my trombone got heavy after a while. And that's not very heavy at all. Uh, so I would imagine if you're in some weird pose, that's going to be tough. Yeah. I guess it has to be, or it wouldn't be a form of exercise. That's true. But this is going to be disrupted yoga, because goats are going to be <laughs> yeah. involved. Well, they're going to be present. I don't know how, what they're going to do. I don't know what they'll do. Like, if I'm around, they jump on me, but will they do that to random people? I don't know. They're a little shy at first, but after a while, they may be like, oh, you're on all fours. I'll jump on you. Why not? So the first few goat yoga classes might be the uh, where they get over their they have to get over their shyness. Especially Liam. If I mean we have some bigger size goats who are the friendliest, but I, you probably don't want them jumping on you. But we'll see how it goes. It'll be fun regardless. But that is one way we're trying to bring in 
money at the farm. Also events. We have themed events or just excuses to get people out here and let them check out the animals. Yeah. Play with the goats or whatever. It's hard. Like, it's just so hard trying <laughs> to get people here. And that kind of brings us to the subject of this week's episode, which I will tell you about while the dogs try to settle in. It only took us about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's about running a business. And, and small whether, business. A small business, whether it's your farm or whether it's your side hustle, whatever it is. I guess we started with the fact that celiac made you stop working in kitchens. Yeah. So you had to start your own thing and there was a... Well, I didn't have to start my own thing, but if I wanted to ever work or make money, I mean... Plus you wanted bread for yourself. Oh, yeah. I'd, I've done office jobs. I was a paralegal for a while and receptionist, but I am not that nine to five person. I get very antsy and I do not like sitting, nor do I like telephones. I think meetings would just drain your soul. Probably. Dealing with people and being told what to do. It was a problem. I mean, restaurants, you get told what to do, but... There's a little bit more freedom with it. And there's a clear hierarchy based upon achieving something. But if you're working with an executive chef who's never there, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. So, When I first met you, you were the kitchen manager at Nothing But Noodles, and you were running, kind of running the show. And the guy that owned the place was just kind of letting you do your own thing, which is about as close as you get to being a business owner. Yeah. As you're going to get without being one. Yeah. I mean, when we first met, we'd, we'd go out to the pub because her apartment was literally a mile away from the pub. This was Burlington, Vermont. We walked home. We walked everywhere. <laughs> and she would say, hang on a second. I have to do my order. And she'd just call. What was it? Cisco? No, it was... I don't remember it was the, the company. It was the produce company. Yeah, and she'd say, this is Kara from Nothing But Noodles. I need this, I need this, I need this. And that. and I would say, well, how do you know what you need? And she said, well, those were the empty spaces in the walk-in cooler. Because she was really strict on how people stocked the walk-in cooler. And she could just poke her head in there. And wherever there was a hole, you had to order that. So she kind of had things running the way she liked. Uh, but then there's a whole story about how that place ended and she wound up working regular kitchen jobs for other people again and it just really sucked. Yeah, it was terrible. Eventually Celiac came around, she had to get out and mm. now what do you do? So we, we would go try to buy food and the stuff in the grocery store was just cardboard. This was like 13 years ago? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. It, was, it was a long time ago. So she decided to learn how to do it herself and just start her own business. And we were going to do farmer's markets. So there was a period. Uh, I was glad for this because she's a workaholic. And when she had no job and no direction, she was <laughs> difficult, um, to say the least. Workaholics need something. something to – it doesn't have to be a job. It just has to be something that they care about, that they are driven by. And they have to be able to do that. And then they're cool. But if they got nothing to focus their energy on, it's just like, ah, they get crazy. Mm -hmm. So she wound up doing all this research and development to try to figure out how to make the bread. 
Well, I didn't want to make bread at first. Oh, that's right. You were trying to do sweets and cupcakes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because so. I was a pastry chef, so that's my forte. I remember that was a whole chapter in the farmer's markets where you were constantly asked to make bread and you didn't want to do it. No, it wasn't the farmer's markets. Before then, it was wholesale. Oh, yeah. You were trying to get it into restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're like, oh, do you do bread? I'm like, mm, nope. But I guess I'll try. <laughs> so I remember I remember you in the kitchen trying to figure this stuff out. And you were trying to make bread, but you didn't want to sell it. You wanted to make bread for you, but you didn't want to make bread for a living. Because there, there were, I remember. I don't remember. I remember you doing a lot. Because every time you would have a failure, you'd get really mad because the materials were lost. Well, yeah. Being gluten-free is not cheap. Everything's triple the price for whatever reason. I don't know why. Most bakers have these huge margins and she doesn't. I do not. So she was resisting doing bread for the business and it just it just didn't I mean you started really small. Yeah. You started with like a little you were gonna I remember one point you wanted to do cupcakes with a toaster oven. <laughs> you did. You did. We were in a remember. tiny apartment, and you had a, a, like a convection oven or something. A little toaster oven deal that you put on a counter in a small apartment. And you you thought you were going to do a cupcake business for that? That was before you, you uh, had to go gluten-free. That was silly. That never happened. And then when she was doing the initial stages, it was with the regular oven that everybody has. And eventually, in the evolution of this, she wound up doing uh, farmer's markets. And so I guess we should go over farmer's markets in general, how those work, and some of the other ways that you've made money in the business, events. Yeah. So farmer's markets, events, and how how we do wholesale. Right. So, and this might not apply to you. Maybe you don't want to be a baker. I mean, starting a small business, no matter what industry you go into, it basically has the same formula. So first let's cover... Farmers markets. I mean, this is a farm podcast, so the listener probably wants to do a farm. Typically, that means crops, like veggies and stuff. In our case, it's baked goods. Yeah, or you could do cheese if you have goats, cows, or sheep. Or you could do lotion soaps if you have sheep, goats. And they're, they're or kind pigs, of dairy, actually. Pigs. Lard. People use lard and soap, which is weird. I don't know if I'd want so there's, to, but, you know. There's a whole host of products if you farm animals for meat. Um, we don't do that. All our animals have names and stuff. I, I still eat meat. Kara is a vegetarian, but I get mine from local farmers where the animals are treated pretty well because I don't like factory farming. Yeah. And there's a lot of cruelty in factory farming. Local farms treat the animals pretty well. I mean, they do eventually slaughter the animal for meat, but the life of the animal is pretty good. Uh, if you're not so much into that, you can do dairy. Um, and if you're not so much into that, there's also people that do crafts and things. There's a lot you could do at a farmer's market. Yeah. Or just crops. You could just grow veggies. Easier said than done in Maine. Yeah, there's a lot of farms in Maine. Well, not even that. It's a very short growing season, so you have to like do it all in those few months. 
And then you've got carrots and stuff and roots and things in the colder months. Well, yeah. But the but farmer's markets are pretty dead in the winter. Yeah, so it's, it's hard being a produce farmer because, I mean, we'll eventually be interviewing some of the folks who do it, but a lot of them have to have a second job just to make ends meet. Yeah, it, it's and they, and they don't own the land sometimes. They have to lease the land. Yeah. There's a whole episode just in how some people run their farms. But we're going to assume for the sake of argument that you have something that you're going to do that you want to do at a farmer's market. So how do they start? So Maine has a website. I can't think of it right now. But there are farmers. it lists all the farmer's markets in Maine and which days they occur on. That's the word. And then... So you want to go to each farmer's market that you might be interested in pursuing and look at their websites, if they have one, and see if you would be replicating what they already have. Because chances are you won't get in if you are. Yeah, if they have like too many of a particular kind of farmer, they'll, they'll, they'll say, no, we've already got that. They need some diversity in the market to make it work. Yeah. It helps them and it helps you in a way. Yeah, because if you're like when they have too many bakers, people only buy so much bread when they go to the market. So the, unless the, they have no gluten free and they claim to have too many bakers anyway. But that's true. Regardless, so we've been to markets <laughs> and some of our best friends were other bakers because their customers, our customers and their customers were different people. And our customers could not buy from them because they're, they're gluten free. So yes. we didn't have we weren't we weren't competitors, even though we were all bakers. Yeah. So it worked out pretty good for us, although they had the traditional flour and the really like huge margins and. I was pointing on some other market, but regardless. Oh no! I, I know what you mean. Anyway. But the the thing is. You're going to have to choose the market. Yeah, you probably would want to look for one that's closer to you because the further you travel, the more time it will be. And time is important. If you're a baker like Kara, you have to get up really early in the morning and bake all the stuff that day. Yeah, so if it's a morning market, it makes it extra hard. Or you could conceivably bake it the night before, but you're still doing a whole bunch of work and you're going to have to go to sleep sometime. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how regular people do it. Like so, I've I've tried doing the all nighter thing, and then, but then it turns out you aren't able to sleep during the day when you're done because there's too many other things to do. So it's like uh, I'd rather just have two hours of sleep and then move on. Because remember, there's always something going on. There's always something pulling on your attention, pulling on your time. Yeah, if you're a small business owner, you can't <clears throat> afford the luxury of having, well, maybe you can. Maybe you have money, but if you do not have money, then you can't afford a bookkeeper. You can't afford employees. We can't even afford an employee, but there's just no way we can move forward without one. Yeah, we're basically sacrificing so, most of the money we would make in order to pay the employee because that's what's necessary for us to grow. 
And we just can't do it all ourselves anymore. It's just too much. It's too much. So. Yeah, your, your business <laughs> is going to grow. And you'll need equipment or personnel or something. It's going to grow and it's going to get to the point where you can't do the same thing you used to do. And, and this is a problem you want to have, but it is stressful. It is so stressful because where's the money going to come from? Yeah, I don't know. We're dead broke this week. I have no idea what to do. And I'm we're, stressing out. <laughs> We are the. We're not going to lose our house or anything. It's not that kind of. No, thing, he's but. still working. It's my business that stresses me out. Right. So, we're going to assume that the listener does not have money for a bookkeeper or any of that stuff. That they're just starting on their own. So you and you're gonna have to wear all the hats. Like you have to be. You're the owner, and. Uh, it gets complicated fast. It's like, in the beginning, I was just a sole proprietor, which makes it a little easier to do paperwork and stuff, but you still got to file your state taxes, which are normally quarterly, and then the IRS, which is annually, and then you have to make sure you have all your licenses, licenses, sorry, (laughs) in order. Like, for me, being a baker, I need... The home processing license, I need a retail license, and I need a mobile mobile vending license. So you got to check with your state offices to figure that one out. And then you need insurance. You need liability insurance. And because we're a farm, we also need farm insurance. So we need all the insurance. Luckily, once you find an insurance agent, if they are, like for us, if there's somebody that operates in Maine... They see a lot of farmers. Well, that's not always the case, though. You have to find an insurance company that is able to deal with all the things because... Yeah, all of them don't. There, Yeah, there was a time previously where we had three different insurance companies, and that was a freaking mess. And a lot of it was, was you had... We're not going to name the companies, but you basically have a national company that has local agents... And they only deal with generic stuff. Yeah. And you, you say, I'm doing this. And they'll say, well, we don't really handle that. And you're like, well, there are people all over the state of Maine doing this, left and right. And they have insurance. Who are they talking to? But they can't tell you because they don't know. Right. So, so well, I mean, the, the vendors could. But then you have to know who the vendor is and say, hey, buddy, who do you use? But by then you're already... See, these, these farmer's markets have a culture. And once you're part of the farmer's market and you're talking to other vendors, you can share information with them and you can learn what they're doing and you can benefit from that. But when you're starting out and you're on the outside, you don't have any buddies that are in a farmer's market yet because you haven't gotten in there yet. Yeah. Although so, I always felt like I was on the outside because I'm so shy and it takes me years to talk to people. And then by that time, it's like... So I would have to. They don't want to talk to you. I would have to play that role because I'm a little more extroverted. <laughs> but I can't be at all. I have a day job. I can't be at all in the markets. She used to do markets on in the middle of the week back when she used to drive. When I used to drive, the whole point of me not driving now, just so explain, I have panic attacks and high anxiety. Good times. So it is safer. For me not to be on the road with other people, probably more for the other people than for me, but I will go into a full panic attack 
when I'm behind the wheel, just thinking about driving sends me into a frenzy. So it's just which not is a, safe. Which is a shame because when we first met, she was driving all the time. She kind of always had the anxiety, but she managed it. And she, her driving skills are stellar. It's amazing. She's definitely the best driver in the house, but it terrifies her. So and it got worse after my PTSD and stuff. Yeah, so. it definitely got worse in later years. But I think you would have. I think you would have stopped driving anyway. Yeah. Eventually, just... maybe it would have taken a little longer, but you would have gotten there. But <sighs> but you know what? I'm here and I can drive. So why worry about it? Why fuss mm. over it? I'll just drive. I just can't go anywhere. That's all. No. Well, I mean, I don't want to go anywhere anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I have to. <laughs> hey, let's. I'm. <laughs> going to Augusta for errands you want to come with me it's always no that no. means that means leaving the house I'm not doing that she gets angry if she has to leave the house I do <laughs> but this is because we are now on a farm with all of her animals that she loves so much and we've mm-hmm. built an environment that she really <laughs> likes to be in yeah. doesn't want to leave I um, don't even have time to leave let's be honest though <laughs> but quick story before we get back to the business stuff uh-oh. One time, in, this was in Vermont. We were going back and forth, I think, between here and Vermont or something. I don't know. Maybe first story. time we lived in Maine, driving to Vermont. It was a road trip, and you were driving, and we were going into an exit, and the lady in front of us spun out. Oh, a snowstorm? Yeah, it was a big snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's snowing, visibility's not great. And Kara's driving because she's from up north and I'm not. And she's driven in snow all her life and I haven't. And I, I was relatively new to New England, I don't think. Or was it a couple years? It was. A, I don't remember. So it was, it was probably a couple years in because I don't think we were in living in Vermont anymore. We were on a road trip. The lady in front of us in the exit, you like veer off the highway onto the exit and it curves around. We were already like getting into that, and the lady in front of us just spun out. And Kara started screaming because she was terrified <laughs> that we were going to get into a wreck and hit this lady. And from the neck up, she was a hot mess. She was screaming, going, ah, all this stuff. <laughs> but from the neck down, she was like a robot. And, and she just very gently and carefully and precisely drove us gently in a curve around that lady. And along the exit. And so the, the other lady spun out. Because we were getting and, off the same exit, right? Yeah, yeah, we were getting off the same exit. So she basically settled. And when she recovered from her heart attack, she was able to just drive <laughs> on. So she didn't hit anything. She just spun around a few times and then, or a couple times and then came to rest. So she was safe. The only, the only danger was that we would hit her from behind. And Kara just expertly curved us. She didn't yank the wheel she just she did everything exactly perfect and took us around that car and then completed the exit but the whole time from the neck up she was freaking out and just i've never seen anything like it it was like the body was calm and the head was was panicking and it was like that was and then and then she i remember you took us into it was the was it a rest stop or someplace you parked it was i think might have been a rest stop but I remember you parked immediately and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. It was like the moment she parked and got the car out of gear and turned the car off, complete hot mess, <laughs> completely useless to the world, unable to do anything. I think I may have had a drive after that. I don't remember. It was crazy. My memory is It was crazy. But, but you were, you were, your driving was 
perfect. Like there's zero chance I could have pulled that off. <laughs> zero. I mean, nowadays I've been up here long enough. I think I could do it now, but at the time, no way, no way. I mean, I can drive in mud, I can drive in rain, but in, at the time I was not up to speed on snow. Snowstorms are scary. They are, but over time the anxiety got worse and she stopped driving. So So that's why if you hear me say, oh, I don't drive anymore, that is why. There is a reason. It's just not safe. When we were doing these farmer's markets in the beginning, she would, we would, on Saturday and Sunday, we would do two different farmer's markets. I would drive to one, she would drive to another. Yeah, it was crazy. It was insane. So that means Kara makes, we had a house at the time that had this unbelievable kitchen. Oh, I see. I know, I know. I miss that kitchen every day of my life. (laughs) We wish we could warp space and time and put that kitchen in this house. Yeah. It was gigantic. It was perfect. It was great. It was like these long countertops and this long kitchen that you could put shelves and there were cabinets you could use. It was it was beautiful. That just sounds like a kitchen to the listener, but it was a it was a large <laughs> it was very large, large room, lots of space. She would get up crazy early, bake all the food for two markets. And in those days we considered um, mm-hmm. this is yeah. <laughs> this is 2023, so we're talking it would have been 2013 or sometime 10 years ago. Holy moly. Yeah, that's crazy. But 10 years ago, whatever whatever 100 bucks is in 2013 money, that's kind of what we expected to make. It was low. Yeah, it was so low. We had low expectations, really. I mean... So we would do... Each of us do the different market, come home, and... Considering what it costs to make my products, it's kind of... That's that's another part of the business sense. You've got to know your profit margins and your uh, ingredient costs. They're terrible apps for food. They're not good. Um, but I'm using one filet, I think it's called. It's not good. But it's the one that I've been using because the rest are worse. So you there's a I wish I had time <laughs> to grab a few people like if i had and i can't afford like a real software so that's another aspect if i had lottery money i would (laughs) gather up a few people i know and say we are making an ingredient cost app for people and restaurants yeah it doesn't it's it's the problem is there should be a separate there should be the restaurant one and then there should be the home Baker who does stuff for farmers markets or something. There should be separate levels, so to speak. Oh, that's just how I would do the subscription model. They're different. If you were, you'd get X amount for free if you were just regular person in your kitchen yeah. and doing a farmers market. And if you're a restaurant or something above, you'd pay. So yeah, yeah it'd be super. A restaurant. Sorry to interrupt, but no, go, go the restaurant it. is different because you have. It works out differently. You don't have just your food costs to incorporate. You have your labor. You have the rent of the building. The rent of the building. I mean, as a home processor, I still have to incorporate electricity, propane uh, when I use the other oven. Um, but if you're in a restaurant, you may have equipment in the restaurant that's financed that you have a monthly payment on. Right. Labor. I mean, yeah. there's a lot. Oh, yeah. be prepared to not 
get paid for your labor and time. Oh, yeah. I have never been paid in my entire life. <clears throat> I make no money. <laughs> when you were working for other people, you got paid by other people. Yeah, but working for yourself, forget about it. You don't get paid you unless cover you're your, rich. You cover your costs and you get a little extra. So you do make money, but mm -hmm. you don't get a paycheck for the hours that you work. You don't get paid for your labor. You have to grow and reach a certain level of profit before you have that kind of money. There are some this businesses that will, yeah, if you're bigger, you will take that money out and include yourself. But for most sole proprietors, it doesn't happen. And vacation? <laughs> yeah, what the happen. freak is that? <laughs> you're, you're basically going to take the money you bring in and you're going to remove the cost of the ingredients of the food you made. And then that's your profit. At no point do you say... And I have to write myself a check for this many hours of labor. That doesn't happen. Yeah. No, because we got bills to pay. I got animals to feed. So she, I have so she things puts to in, buy for the farm or the house or the business. Because gluten-free is not cheap, people. Like, I try to keep my costs down for the consumer because otherwise they won't pay for it. Yeah, there's a, there's a pain point <laughs> above which people will say, I'm not paying that much for this product. But do I make enough money i i don't yeah so but one thing i've noticed is is and this happened when we were running the food truck too if a rich person walks up to you <laughs> they'll they'll say you should charge more and i was like well people won't buy it i was like they will for a quality product it's like no they won't and you're saying my product isn't quality no 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 in that <laughs> case the the guy i'm thinking of was saying that the product was quality Oh, he's saying he was organic. Saying, he was saying that it wasn't even that. He was saying we should charge a lot more because it was gluten-free, because of all this other stuff, because yeah. he, he felt we had a good product. And I was like, people won't pay that. He's like, well, you have a good product. They'll pay for a quality product. Like, no, they no. won't. What planet mm -hmm. are you on where I everybody <laughs> has – in this imaginary world, people have unlimited money and it's just, I'll pay this much for that item. They don't have money. They've got just enough cash to live. And so you've got to, when you're running a business, you're hoping they'll part with some of that and buy whatever you've got. Yeah. It's hard because gluten-free people, it's a necessity, but you don't want to, what is that word? Outsource, uh, not outsource. We gouge them or? There's a different word. Of, I don't know. It It's gone, but. You don't want to, like, price them out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, because it, it, for another... myself, I don't go out, obviously. But if I were, even at the grocery store, finding new stuff, I'm like, I'm not spending $7 on this random thing that might be crap. So, nope. right. <laughs> so it's hard. It's really hard. And this might happen to you. It depends on what you do. Kara really believes in what she's doing, and there's other people like her out there who don't have the skill of baking. So she actually wants to help them. And if you charge through the roof, they, I mean, first of all, your business isn't going to work because people are not going to pay it, but it also means that the people she wants to help can't afford the product. Yeah. So you're walking this fine line of, I got to make money, but I don't want to charge too much. So basically, I make enough to pay for my ingredients. And maybe some stuff for our animals, and that is it. I do not make through-the-roof money. I do not make a salary. I do not make enough to live on. Right. It, I mean, we're that hoping That is it, why... We're hoping it grows to that point. Well, 
It probably won't. But that is why if you have a spouse or a partner, more than likely they will have a real job with real money and insurance, health insurance. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. important <clears throat> in this day and age, even though they're all crappy. But I'll, I'll try not to get on a <laughs> huge rant about health care in the United States. But Oh, geez. Just so everybody knows... <laughs> If we had Medicare for all, it would be cheaper than what we have now and everybody would get to see a doctor. Because what we have now, we pay what I call corporate tax. We I pay money out of my paycheck every pay period for insurance that doesn't cover everything. And I've got like I've got a white collar decent job. It barely covers anything. And even when you've got the so-called good insurance, it's not great. We still have to pay out of pocket for everything. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, we pay a corporate tax to those insurance companies out of every paycheck paycheck. And then they, they don't want to pay for stuff. They don't want to do their job. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to pay for the executives bonuses. You have to pay for all their profit margins. There are entire industries of medical coders and other things that only exist because of our stupid system. Mm-hmm. All those cost money, and none of them have to be there. Every other country that has universal health care spends less money. We are the richest country on the planet. We're the richest country in the history of the planet. I thought you weren't going to write So it. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if countries with a fraction of our money can take care of all their people and they pay less than we do, it's insane. You know, how many small businesses do you, do you know how many small businesses would happen if people just had medical insurance? If they just could go see a doctor when they need to? Take my tax money and and give everybody access to a doctor. Uh, not access as in you have access to a sports car but you don't have the money. I mean, like let them go see a doctor. And all these small businesses will pop up and the economy will boom. It, but yeah, you got to have you got to have somebody in the family that has a day job that has insurance and that limits like I can't help as much as I want to. Yeah. It's I, I mean, well he's helping in his own way obviously, but I wouldn't be able to do it without him if I were by myself. It, no. I'd I'd probably be moving back home with my parents who are like older and I mean, what would we do? I don't even know. I don't even know what I would and do. And another thing to, to mention is I was I was still, when she started this business, I was still writing code for a living, but I was in, I won't mention company names or anything, but I was in a, we were in a city where jobs like mine are hard to come by. Portland, and right? We started in Portland. It was Portland, Maine. Yes. Okay. So well, we're going to say the know, city. We'll say the city. We just won't say the company. In, in Portland, Maine. <laughs> Jobs like mine, where I write where I write code for a living, are hard to come by, and you're going to be paid twenty five to thirty thousand dollars below industry standard, because all the places where you would work are going to pay you less, and there's no economic force to make them pay industry standard. Even though Portland is the most expensive city in Maine. Oh, in Maine, that's where all the people are. Besides, like you know, the fancy. Fancy, fancy areas on the coast. Yeah, but Portland has enough people in it to throw off the numbers for the whole state. Yeah. Like when you're talking about, oh, we have this many square miles per person in Maine. And you say, well, what if you remove Portland? The number drastically changes. All the people, like Mm -hmm. the largest concentration of people are in Portland. The most diversity you're going to see is in Portland. Portland is the city in Maine. And... 
that's where if you write code for a living, you're you're going to work. There's a few places where you might work, but Portland's one of them. And even if you go to some of the other places, if it's a good place, nobody quits and there's never a job opening. So I was making way less than I'm making right now. One silver lining of COVID is that a lot of my kind of people are working remotely now. It, you're not stuck geographically. Like I would have to move to another city to make more money. And now that's no longer the case. I, I, I happen to be in a good company right now. Company I'm in right now treats me great. I'm with them till the wheels fall off the car. But at the time where she was doing this business, I was in a terrible place where the, the boss could just be in a bad mood and literally fired a guy because he was in a bad mood. And then a couple of days later demanded that we all make a change in some system that we have. And that system was like 25 years old and nobody uses that anymore. And the only guy that understood how it worked was the guy that he fired because he was mad that day. And he thought he could make us do the work quickly because he yelled at us and threatened our jobs. It's like, we have to learn a language that nobody uses anymore to touch that. <laughs> so no, Mr. CEO, you're not going to just yell at me and I'll suddenly be able to do that. That's not. And then he realized that and he had to do other things and make other arrangements. But that's the environment I was in. And, and any day I went to work, we could. And if I, if I lost my job back then, we lose the house. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm we trying. didn't have a house in Portland though. It was oh, Portland was an apartment. Yeah, it was an apartment, and then we wanted a house, and I fell in love with Bath because it's the city of ships, and right. I love boats. <laughs> so the so he had to commute from Bath to Portland. Yeah, but but a lesson from that is she said let's get a house. I was like no way, no way I can get a house. That's crazy. We we're but we've both been poor for so long. Like how would I get a house? Go check it out. Go to the bank and ask, what are they going to do? They're gonna, that's what she said to me. Okay, so we go and they say no. Where does that leave us, like where we are now? It's because so, the apartments we're in, we started off, we thought it was a great apartment. Then we realized it was like the sketchiest neighborhood of Portland. We thought it was a good apartment until it got cold and we realized and it, it wasn't cold. They insulated. They didn't insulate it right and then they blamed us and they refused so... That's a that's a whole other. That's that, a story. Let's that's, save that. That's, that's a, a that's a real lawsuit. estate. That yes. is a real estate and paralegal. Yes. Because <laughs> I, you think you've heard me brag about my wife? You have not heard me brag about my wife. We're going to tell that story in its own episode. Yes, that is a story. <laughs> I remember. But we were we were in the part that, of Portland. So. That we didn't know it was the we the, didn't know it was our first time in Maine. It was the it was the crappiest like spot, but yeah, like where all the slumlords are because again, there's no economic pressure to f people get away with. And that was the only place we could really afford. Yeah, because the <laughs> landlords there get a, get away with never fixing anything, and they they make you sign a paper stating that you've looked at the place and, and that it's in good shape, and you waive any rights to blah blah blah, and if you don't sign it, you don't get in. And then we so, had to we had to find a new place kind of right away because it was so crappy, and the only places available were like these. It was Tamerlane. It is. I forget. They're like residential apartments, 
like a corporation. I don't. I forget the they terminology. They were they were like an apartment complex, but it, instead of a building, think of like it's not like a sole landlord. It's like a a corporate. corporate. Yeah, but it's a whole apartment Which complex. Is worse. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's a whole apartment complex, and we lived in Tamerlane again. Real estate episode, yeah. probably next week, <laughs> uh, but. The we lived in Tamerlane apartments for a while, and but they I, kept increasing in the rent yeah. every couple months, and it's like we can't afford this. We can't. So do we this. were looking at it was apocalyptic with them <laughs> raising the rent. Yeah, and then she said, "Let's get a house," and I was like, "I." So to my mind, she's just hey. Let's all. It's not just like let's get a house. I looked let, around. Let's both drill holes in our heads. It, it, it was. We what looked, are you talking about? Looked for apartments. <laughs> we couldn't afford any, and then or none were available that we could afford. So next yeah. best option. We'll... We we did exhaust. I'm making it sound like she just went to a house. No, we yeah. looked around. We were doing everything, and she was like, "Oh my god!" We were both like freaking out, and we can't. And, afford a house anywhere in southern Maine. So we went mid coast. Right. So so we wound up and that's the house that had the brilliant kitchen yes. and all that stuff. I love that house so much. Yeah, the house is great. But but the <laughs> when we got to that house, she was able to launch her business from there. But I was still commuting to Portland and I was in this terrible job. It was it was kind of I mean can you again if we didn't, you're going to have to have somebody working a day job having medical insurance. You're not going to be able to, you're not just going to do something like in the movies, they, you try something and then in two days you're, yeah. you're good, you know, in, in the it movies, work, <laughs> every social life. media post in the movies goes viral and you get rich off it. No. So no. I'm trying to go viral on my post. Not yet. <laughs> because. I don't post enough first off because I don't have time. That I used that <laughs> you got mad and you said, who has time to vote? Who has time to edit a video? Come on. And yeah. that's part of the intro for that episode. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't even have time to really post anything lately. So if you're running a small business, your personal time is going to disappear. Yeah, you're, you don't get any. You're going to focus on that all the time. Your spouse is probably... You're going to incorporate them in every aspect whatsoever. You, yeah, so make sure... Talk to your spouse or your partner, whatever. Uh, <laughs> talk to the other person that's involved in this and make sure that they understand what's happening because they're going to be... Dragged working. along. Yeah, it's happening. No matter what. <laughs> but you also... We didn't even get... I mean, We're already coming up on an hour uh, we didn't before even, editing. And we, <laughs> we didn't even touch on like a lot of the small business stuff. Like There's different aspects. Sole proprietor is what I started with, but I am now applying for LLC. And that goes along with trying to... Exactly. Trying to... Different. So when we first started the farm and the bakery, it was all under one name, Anchor Me Farm. But now that I'm trying to make the farm into a nonprofit, uh, I have to create a different entity for the bakery because the bakery is for profit. So we have to keep all the money separate for the taxes. Yeah. So it, it means... It's been even more complicated yeah. than before, and it's just getting so stressful. There's so much paperwork, and 
we'll have to touch on more about how to even go about that sort of thing because I still don't know. There's everyone will be like, oh, you should use because I'm a, a woman in small business in Maine. There's a resource for small business women, not small, you know. You know what I'm trying small to say. Small businesses that are run by women. <laughs> not not business women who are small. I mean, there there could be such a thing. I don't know. If you're over five if you're a woman over five foot six, get the hell out. <laughs> you don't qualify. <laughs> no. But so I I try them way before and I'm not dissing them, but they will give you pointers oh you should go here you should go there i'm like well i came to you to help me do these things i do not have time to go here or there be advised that if you're dependent upon what you're doing you might not if you're not doing the same thing everybody else is doing and you go ask for advice they're they're not going to be able to give you advice necessarily because you're doing something new and different and weird and they don't have like the last five people they helped were not doing what you were doing. And I always have to do something weird and something no one else is doing. Or I have to make it more complicated. Like the way it is right now, I'm just I'm just going by the seat of my pants trying to fill out any paperwork I can, trying to get our employee paid. It's not correct and whoever I mean, we can't afford a lawyer, so we're going to try to get a CPA. And good luck, dude or gal, because it's going to be a freaking mess. <laughs> May God have mercy on their soul. <laughs> I know. And I'm so sorry for whoever takes on our case. I'm trying to document everything I can so I can be like, this is what I did here. This is what I did there. But here the, you go. <laughs> the, the end result is that the money will be kept separate like it's supposed to. So I think we're going to successfully avoid any legal trouble. Well. But it's going to be messy. Here's the, here's the problem. Since right now everything is under Anchor Me Farm and our EIN number, which is a, it's a federal. Look up EIN number. We don't remember what it stands well, for. I don't know the technical. But it's a. It's a number you get from the IRS to distinguish your business so you can get a retail license, which you need as a small business. I have a retail business because we have a farm shop and I resell stuff from other vendors. <clears throat> so I needed something and I had had that number when I originally originally started the bakery, was it 10 years ago or something? Yeah. So it's under galley goodies. And the IRS does not make it easy to change a business name. And once you're, as a sole proprietor, if you have an EIN number, they will not just give you a new EIN number. Right. The, the, the technical you, <laughs> way that works is the EIN number is for the person, the sole proprietor. Yeah, the person, not the business. Technically, you can open as many businesses as you want. It's not a big deal. That number is for you. And she should be able to open any business and just use that EIN number. You can't use it for like more than one thing at a time or something like that. Point is, she's trying to say Galley Goodies is gone. It's closed. Now I'll make her me farm. And... She basically needs someone at the IRS 
to just punch whatever buttons into their computer to make that switch. And but now it's kind of a mute point because now I'm branching off into all the directions. She's doing the LLC and the nonprofit. But as far as the, as the sole proprietor, the solution is to somehow we'd have to make ourselves enough of a nuisance that the IRS would punch the buttons and but change it. But the IRS it. only tells you the only way to do this is to write a letter and send it to this P.O. box. So, so it's in the box. There's Does, like three letters in that P.O. box saying, I uh, used to be Galley Goodies. I am now Anchor Me Farm. Please change it. And where is it now? Is it yeah. is it at the bottom of the stack on someone's desk? Probably. And I'm not one of these people that hates the IRS, it, but it's it's frustrating. I don't want to be a nuisance because then they'll be like, what are you doing over there? Right. So, <laughs> But the, the problem is the IRS gets defunded so much that they just... Yeah, there's not enough people. So. Yeah, there's not enough people working for the IRS to do this stuff properly. Mm-hmm. And every time they try to add more people to the IRS, politicians get mad because, oh, wait, if they have more personnel, they might be able to audit a rich person. And we have to make sure they can never, ever audit a rich person. But so it, that's why they bother us. But it kind of – it's been coming back to bite me in the butt because I got a call from our bank – that is for Anchor Me Farm that we open with this EIN number. And he's saying that it should never have happened because it is under Galley Goodies and not the proper name. So it should never have happened. And someone did wrong. And be prepared for that too. Yeah. So I have that's another reason why I had to move forward that with the LLC. Can I do this? Sure you can. Here you go. Here's the paperwork. Okay, <laughs> great. Here and then go. six months later, oh that oh, never should have happened. No. <laughs> That's wrong. Someone did wrong. And then I'm trying to be part of this farm drop, but they use Stripe, which apparently is an Irish, as much as I love the Irish, is an Irish company. And because my business name does not correspond with my EIN number name, I cannot be part of it. So, Which, again, could be solved as someone at the IRS... Yeah. Just opened her opened her letter <laughs> and punched a couple of buttons on the computer. So now it, it, making more of a mess. <laughs> Starting the LLC. We're basically going to abandon. <laughs> yeah. Her personal EIN number and use the one for the LLC, which costs the one for the money. Yeah. You, LLC, although it protects you in the long run, it costs money to file it. So there is that aspect. So you're going to be small and do a sole proprietor, and you're eventually going to get to the point where you're like, I got to do LLC. But every single time you have to do something for your business that costs money, it's going to happen before you have the money. Yeah, I don't have the money to do that, so I had to use her, his money, basically. She, it's our money. <laughs> well, I know, but still, it's all in a joint account. It's still. It, it's frustrating because sometimes I at make- a store, I'll <laughs> joke around like, "Don't worry, babe." I got this bill, and I make a joke, but but it's the same account. Like both of our cards go to the exact same account. So if I buy her something, it's it's the same account. It's anyway. not, but the joint account is technically what he makes, and then the business money is what I make. So when I don't have money in my account, which is always, it's frustrating. She has a business account that's separate from our personal accounts. Which he also has access to. He has and a card. And- yeah, so that she can send me off to do things. <laughs> Go get this and use this card. Uh, but but the, the, the thing is, she she wants to make you know? sure that she makes her own money. Yeah, whatever. I never liked that term. I know, but, but it's but technically true. Type A, I think, type is a, a better way. OCD. To, OCD, whatever. 
But the point is she's very much looking at her own business and how much money it makes versus how much it doesn't make. And I'm less business oriented and I'm just like, how, do we have enough money to make all the wolves go away? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think of my money as our money. So, cause I'll nickel and dime myself into, into oblivion. She's the saver and I'm the spender. So I just mm-hmm. kind of, I try this. I have a little so allowance that hard. I give myself to order music or whatever I do, but mostly she handles the money. That's marriage advice. Make sure you have, don't have two spenders. If you have two <laughs> savers, you might have trouble too because you'll never get anything. Well, no. Nah. You'll never order anything <laughs> that you need because both people will be like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes down to if you own a small business, no matter what kind of business, you will have to spend money that you don't have. Yeah, I you're going to have to spend. A better if example you, is the fridge that you had to have. Well, yeah. When she if, was running, was it the food truck? No, it was before that. It was before the food truck. She was growing to the point where she needed – she does prep. And she has all this uh, dough and prep in the refrigerator. We won't get into the technicals. But she has to have refrigerator space for the stuff she has prepared. Yeah, a lot of bread doughs and bagels and stuff need overnight refrigeration. Right. So that's just cargo space in a refrigerated environment. We had to have another fridge. I was in that terrible job I mentioned earlier. We did not have enough money for another fridge. I think we may have bought the fridge on a credit card. Probably. Because we had to have it. <laughs> we buy most things on a credit card. Yeah. So so we, we, we had to have the fridge. And once we had it, she made so much more stuff. And she made the money back. And we paid for the fridge. And it was fine. But we we scraped up. And we're like, do, well, do we have enough room on this car? What kind of fridge are we going to get? It's got to be big enough. And, and it's just incredibly stressful time and we were not ready to buy a refrigerator but we had to even though it was like a cheapie it was like one of those yeah it wasn't great it was just a box that kept it cold it 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 wasn't fancy it wasn't stainless steel whatever it was just a plain old fridge the cheapest thing that would do the job so be prepared for the business to grow hey great it's growing now you need equipment. But guaranteed, you'll not be able to apply for a line of credit or a business loan because you don't have money. And you need money to get a loan. Yeah, because <laughs> techni- ironically, technically your business is, <laughs> is your business is really poor and it's mooching off of a family member. <laughs> yeah. So they don't. I, I I had I found out when we when she said let's go get a house and went to the bank. I found out I had incredible credit, mm-hmm. and it's because. I had been paying my. I had still had a considerable debt. Both of us had debt, and we still do. But but yeah, we'll always have debt. <laughs> yeah, but we we recently put it all in a home equity loan that we mentioned in another podcast, and that's why we get junk mail that says "final notice." Here is a scam loan. But at the time, it was like both of us crazy credit card debt with. But I had been paying my bills, and your credit rating is not based upon how well you're doing. It's it's based upon. Hey, can we loan this guy more money and he can keep up with the payments? That's all it is. Yeah. And because I've been keeping up with the payments for years and and thinking I'm poor, I'm never going to escape from this hole, I wound up with this crazy credit rating and we were able to get a house. Yeah, my credit rating, not so good. And and we <laughs> it was like a first-time home buyer and it was a homestead. There was all these things that we wound up doing because we didn't have any money for a down payment. It was a... Uh... R R D I forget. It was some kind of fancy R-D-A. special loan. 
but uh, but it was rural rural, rural development rural development loan because RDL. In, that's what it was and in the state of maine you, you need like one percent down payment or something something cheap and here's the thing it has to be rural right except for portland and parts of south portland the entire state of Maine qualifies. Yeah, it's crazy. All of it. Every single place in Maine except for the, the city of Portland and parts of South Portland. Which we couldn't afford anyway. So yeah, because those are, those are expensive places. So, so that's how we got our first house. And by sheer luck, that house had a kitchen that she could run her business out of. So <sighs> do the, you, how, the kitchen that makes you... It's her dream kitchen. We wish yeah. we had it again. But the, when you're starting your business, just really think about what's your product? What do you do to produce that product? Do you have a space where you do that? Can what's the make, production look like? Can you make money off it? Oh, even even <laughs> before you think of that, like if I was going to sell this, imagine that it goes great. Imagine that you're, you're selling it off the shelves. It's going like crazy. Can you keep up? Well, it's like that episode of Big Bang Theory where Penny makes those little barrette thingies. Right, right. And it takes her like a long time to make them and she got an order for 2,000 of them. She had to recruit the boys and that was that was a great Yeah, it, that was... <laughs> if you I, ever watched Big Bang Theory, I highly recommend it. It's great. That episode <laughs> was more informative about a small business than just about anything I've seen. She. Yeah. She was not. She. It takes her a long time to make one of those. Yes. And she did not think about that when she started her business. <laughs> not at all. So, so think about the production line. Think about like imagine that it goes great and everybody wants your product, and now you have to deliver a whole lot of it. Can you do that? Uh, what equipment do you need? Uh, so, so remember, she wanted to start a cupcake business out of a convection of like a toast oven. So, you totally did. I know. I was I was naive, stupid, young, whatever you want to call it. I was it. young. I was, <laughs> I was young. I didn't know any better. So th- th- think about all that stuff. We're going to have to do another episode on this. Because there's so much. We there's just barely touched. So much. I'm going to cut so much out of this in editing. It's going to be the hardest one to edit. There's a lot of paperwork. We didn't even go into like getting into the farmer's market and auditioning. You have to. Oh yeah, you gotta like audition, which is the scariest thing ever. You have to. You have to basically email them, and then go there and then meet all of them with some of your product and talk or to them. Or do a Zoom meeting, which is even worse for a baker because no one can taste your product. They just have to see it. And we've gotten into farmer's markets because people tasted the product. Yeah, because everyone's like, gluten-free, ew, it's gross, it tastes like crap, whatever. Right. And, or it's standard, right? Every gluten-free person thinks they can bake, which they can't. It's hard. It is uh, so I'm going to be, she's harsh about it because she worked hard to make good stuff. But but it's it's when people think gluten-free baking, they tend to think of a certain kind of taste and we've gotten into markets because people tasted our food and they're like, oh. So it, it's Half the people don't even tough. know it's gluten-free. That's We have customers that aren't even celiac at all. Yeah. So so think about think about that. You're going to have to do a public presentation to get into that market. And if you don't talk to people or it's, then it's not hard. even not even a one-on-one, you have to actually do like a public speaking type of thing. 
that's just oh, scary man. as all heck. So in your in your defense, <laughs> uh, other people are also bad at that, and they sometimes do presentations. And so it's your farmers. You're not PR people. Yeah. So we, we get it. <laughs> but to to just breeze through the 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 process real quick. You audition. They say yeah. You show up. You you end up probably outside. You have like an easy up tent that's ten by ten. You weigh that down. We didn't our first time ever. Yeah, where where were we? South South Portland, and the wind was crazy. No, <laughs> and our easy up tried to fly to New Hampshire. It wasn't we, the easy up because that's actually a brand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was we, some other brand. We found some cheap tent that we thought would be fine, and it wasn't. It was basically a kite. <laughs> yeah, and the. One of the farmers is like, guys, here's what you need to do. <laughs> and they helped us. So we, we had window weights, which are like iron window weights from the old timey days. If that, you can find an antique store, they'd probably have them. And we we were told a place to get them, and, and we got them. Uh, but you can also do concrete in a bucket. Uh, we have paint. Sand in a bucket. Sand in old paint cans or something. Some, something that you can tie a string to and tie to the, the top level of your tent. Just weigh just, it down. Just and weigh no it down. matter what, even if you have the best weights ever, you'll still be holding on to that tent because apparently mm. it is super windy in Maine, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, you'll see people standing. <laughs> just like looks like they're leaning on their tent, but they've got their hand on the frame because they're trying to keep it from blowing away. So, so it's and, and the only the only way to avoid that is to have really like five gallon buckets full of concrete. But even then, which it's still they still do. You have to make sure it's positioned in such a way where one side will not go up. And there are people that engineer it so that they don't have to worry. But those <sighs> those people carry a lot of heavy stuff and have a complicated <laughs> setup. Could you imagine carrying that much? I no. no. No, and, and, and it's it's nuts, but pe- different people have different ways of solving it, and you'll find that out when you get into a farmer's market. And the best thing I found were these coaster things, coasters, and their chalkboard, and I put... They were, they were stone. Stone. So, but they were things we found in Michael's? Yeah, but they were coasters. They're made for coastering. Coasters. <laughs> They're made for coastering. <laughs> I don't know. That's not because we would have little paper so signs for, for the prices of things, and the wind would blow. You label stuff. Yeah. Right. So we'd have labels for our products, and the wind would blow them away. Or if it's raining, because you go rain or shine or snow. Right. <laughs> which does not. And guess what happens on a rainy day when you're, well. a, when you're in a place that has a lot of wind? Yeah. No one shows up. Rain goes sideways. It's all over your product. Nobody, nobody shows up. Product is ruined. If they end if of story. <laughs> you want it to rain in the last half of the market because then everybody will leave the house, come to the market, and then get caught in the rain. Mm. If it rains in the beginning of the market, nobody's going to leave their house. You're yeah, be, no one's showing up. So yeah. when outdoor, not sorry, not winter market, outdoor markets are hard. Yeah, and, in the uh, summer they can be fun. They can be nice. The people I are mean, great. You can't. It's hard to describe the atmosphere. You meet all these great people. It's a, com- a community, com- a community commodity type thing. What's com- What do you mean commodity? What is a commodity? 
A commodity is a thing that's sold. Oh, never mind. You mean community? Community. It's a community that you can't find anywhere else. Reminder. <laughs> I don't do well with she, words. No, <laughs> she she often has trouble with words, but she slept maybe an hour last night. A couple hours. Maybe two hours last night. Yeah, so. Every podcast, <laughs> when she goes trouble with words and things, well, remember that she got up basically yesterday. I don't have good vocabulary anyway. I'm but she got up. She got up almost yesterday to <laughs> bake everything words, this morning. Sure, but regular words, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, so we've discussed that in other episodes too. I just want to remind you that she is slept, sleep deprived, and exhausted right now. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a. Awesome experience to be part of a farmer's market, but it's also one of the hardest. So And and the the first few weeks of the farmer's market are gonna be crap because nobody remembers that the market exists. So don't make as much product if you have a bakery. The last few weeks of the market are gonna be crap. They're in, in Maine they're gonna be cold and it's gonna be dark in the la- the latter ha- part of it. So mm. don't make as much stuff, right? You'll get a, you, you almost have to join a market and stay with it for a season to get the feel for when the sales are up and when they're down, you're going to have typically in the beginning and the end, terrible sales and the middle, there's a big spike. So you have to learn how to make the right amount of product for that art. It's really hard and it's different for every market. And yeah, it's different for every person too. Cause it's just like, I don't, I don't know. Farmers markets are really hard and I don't know if that's the, best option anymore i've been having some even some conflicting thoughts even through the last couple back when we did galley goodies i mean we were complaining about every year the sales got tighter so hard as time goes by everybody is competing for the money of a smaller group of richer people so it, it's and it all it, depends on the weather. It depends on yeah. the day. If it say, uh, it, I mean, there's so many dependence variables. What's the word? Variables. Variables. That you were goes, thinking dependencies, but but yeah, yeah, variables. There's so many variables that goes into the market, and if you have to rely on that for your sole source of income. You're screwed. Yeah, can you have a bad week? <laughs> can you get past a bad week? I mean, you're going to have a bad week. That's what we're I'm dealing with right now. It's like, what the freak am I supposed to do? I don't know. And I don't is it, know. Is it a trend? Is it forever? Should we ride the storm and get through it? It's like, is as it, much as I love being part of this community, part of these farmer's markets, it's super hard. And how do you know you decided on the right market? I mean, it it's hard. It's because every market is different. It really is. <laughs> so you it it's and it also the, co- the country's generally getting poorer as we as we go. Poorer. It also makes a difference that I've I mean, we knew from the beginning, but it's more relevant now that if you are the producer of your stuff and you're selling it at the market, it makes a difference for you to be there. If yeah. you are not there, like I have not been able to be at these markets, the sales are not where they should be. There's a bias for Kara herself because she baked the stuff. Yes. And especially with celiac people, 
when Kara says, I am celiac, they bond over that and it makes a difference in sales. Camaraderie. That's Camaraderie. the word. That is the word. Camaraderie. <laughs> but but they, they bond over that. It affects the loyalty of the customers. It affects the sales. Uh, she can't be there, so I'm there. I'm her husband. And I think it honestly is you as the person yeah, who is celiac. When, when, when you say, I have celiac, and that's who's the customer is. Even though I'm it, it's, not it makes social, a sociable, I do, like, if you're a regular customer, I try to do small talk. It's awkward. I apologize. I just, I'm trying to do the best I can. But So you're going to grow, and you're not going to be able to be there every time. And what if people associate you with the yeah, business? What if you are hard. the brand? It's like, and don't put your face on your logo because that's cheesy and no one wants to look at your face unless you're a realtor <laughs> unless you're a realtor <laughs> we're obviously going to have to do another oh there's so many real estate we're episodes. gonna have to do another episode <laughs> for the other stages we basically covered farmers markets here yeah there's a lot I mean, they're rewarding i'm glad we did it we made so many friends we, we there, there's yeah. there's so there's much- nothing like a you're basically I don't want to compare it to the military because you're not going to war together, but in a way, you are because you got to deal with people. And when the when the wind picks up and everybody's the holding their up, tent down, or it's the like rain a, dumps a pile of water on your product or yourself, and yeah, so you got to deal with some nasty folks. Or it's just community. It it's, is. It's it's just you you end up working alongside like, these people. And how it's, long did you work today? Oh, 12 hours i'm going on my 18th hour now so yeah there's there's something to be said about that but how long can it last really until people die what is the next (laughs) (laughs) you keep going until you die yeah i'm gonna work these 12 hour days no it's it's jokes aside it's Oh, it's it's a positive thing, it but is. but remember that you're committing for the whole season. And, yeah, you don't want to be that person. Yeah, don't. Mind. <laughs> you're 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 committing for the whole season, and you're you're not going to know how that farmers market performs with your product because your product is different from other people's product. Yeah, and if you so don't show you can't up all ask, the time, yeah, it makes. The market look bad, it makes you look bad, and then the customers can't rely on you. So it's why would it's somebody hard. go to a market if nobody's ever there? It yeah. only takes one time for them to show up, and you're not there for them to think, "Oh, nobody's ever here." Yeah. And it, it it's so consistency is key. You got to be there all the time. It, it and it's exhausting. And there's meetings too. That that's different markets have different levels of this. Some of them can get crazy with the bylaws and stuff, which is a bit much for us, but. Different Although, markets have different amounts. Although, having a nonprofit now, there are bylaws that I'm trying to write. So that's we'll do a, a whole episode on that. That's another thing. <laughs> we are at, before I edit this down, we're at 122. That's crazy. Which is nuts. Yeah. All right. And we're not even done. So we got to go. we got to go. We're going to do other episodes to cover this stuff. I, <laughs> I promise you, I will make a list of bullet points that we can go by. And I keep saying we'll interview people, but I promise we really will so you don't have to hear our terrible voices every time. I, at, at a moment during the week when I am not exhausted, <laughs> I will make bullet points. I, sw- I promise you. Okay. okay. Not really, no. <laughs> no. I totally will. I totally will. Let's just do the outro. Anyway. Bye.